Now, don't forget, we're doing a live client-only event in mid-October 2022. I'll be speaking. Ryan Griggs will be speaking. Dr. Paul Cleveland will be speaking. Our whole team will be there. You're going to have the opportunity to meet all of us, and you'll have the opportunity to meet other people, individuals that are practicing the infinite banking concept from all over the country. Iron sharpens iron, so you should be there. It'll be worth it. Look forward to meeting you. Look forward to seeing you. Be there. Be square. In this episode, Ron and I discuss yet another IBC hit piece. We look at the difference between APR and the true cost of borrowing, and we highlight important lessons from a recent client interview. Thank you for listening. We had fun and hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. We keep Ryan around because he's an academic. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm only bringing that up because of the, uh, and I mean, whatever, it's unscripted, so we're going to talk about whatever we talk about, but you wrote a, an excellent rebuttal to a policy genius hit piece that um, we're going to link in the bottom. Now, I didn't read the article, and I really don't have to because of your rebuttal. It was just outstanding, so entertaining, educational, point-by-point education to the erudites who write that kind of stuff but then the here that is really not interested in being educated i mean it was just so entertaining you did a very good job i'm very proud of you thank you so and and then i'm just that's why i'm bringing up it it takes in in, you know a, a proper academic response is called for and you delivered so well thank you yeah you're welcome and i saw on social media that you had you had very nice things to say more than once about it but uh yeah so it's a july 15 2022 article on a platform called policy genius uh which if you listen to podcast i mean i listen to a lot of podcasts and on you know youtube stuff and uh they're everywhere yeah there's constant onslaught of marketing yeah Mar- marketing marketing yeah disguised as you know uh a critique independent research advice yeah. <laughs> yeah even a very prominent more than one very prominent libertarian or maybe austrian oriented podcasters they run ads for oh, this of course. yeah yeah so for that for uh, policy genius yeah well they're, they're getting paid yeah and po- policy genius isn't they're just, they're just one of a bunch of these online term promoters. People figured out that there's a thing called the internet and that these term companies want to pitch term life insurance. And then that get, then of course there's different companies, so they have different pricing. And so you can take those prices and if you create a little algorithm and a little computer program and a nice little interface, then you can present as a marketplace where you're price shopping. Sure. For all of this, of course, as viewers know by now, is all about the death benefit, right? How much death benefit for how little premium, just while I need it, just while I quote unquote While you're building your empire and going to grow your your investments to a point where you're (laughs) self-insuring. Self-insuring means you have no insurance. Yeah, I mean that's what it means. But then, but it's always thinly veiled in in the in the argument too. Is always the solution, the conclusion, is always by term and invest the difference. <clears throat> always, 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 because uh, that is the only ostensible alternative 
to permanent. Well, if it's not permanent life insurance, if it's not whole life, well, then what else is it? Well, it's temporary term insurance. I mean, that's, so there's always got to be some justification for that product, and it always ends up there. Uh, what really struck me, and I mean, I've been aware of Policy Genius before, and because I get inundated with the damn ads, but because you look at them too long, and the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't dodge them on a podcast. They like bring them up so that you got to listen, or you got to yeah. pull the phone out and fast forward. Well, so an agent of who works with me, Joe. Uh, thank you, Joe, for sending this my way. Uh, told me about it. Was it yesterday? I think it was. It was yesterday. Yeah, you wrote it yesterday. Literally yesterday. I, I read it fresh off the press, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm hanging out in the pool, chilling, it comes up, and I'm like, oh, it's so entertaining. You know what is, I mean, that's the most entertaining to me, is a proper response to, you know, they're just drop-by opinions dressed up to be, you know, a legitimate critique, or and it's always a sales pitch, but... The uh, not to throw you off, but look, the, the second most favorite thing I do when it comes to life insurance on the internet is look at the comments on any kind of a term or whole life or whatever the marketing thing is, and then all of the comments you can tell who knows nothing and and who the from the ones who think they know something, and it's generally always the one who knows something never comments. You know? What oh I mean? yeah, yeah. They're, they're always like, yeah. Well, what's that saying? The the worst fans have the cheapest seats or something like oh, that? Oh, that's Babe Ruth. The the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. No question. Yeah. So yeah. nothing new there. Uh, but the <laughs> what I didn't know, so I was aware of policy units, but what I didn't know is their particular approach to their quote unquote marketing. Mm. Uh, and this is very common. This isn't just policy genius. It's like something you're, I mean, you see it on Facebook with the fact checking. You see it oh. with the uh, Snopes, you know. There's this whole, I, this presentation, this facade of an idea that there's this independent authority that's going to help you, stupid consumer you are, by the way. I mean, that's the whole undertone, right? You're too dumb to figure this out, to use your own reason, yeah. to evaluate claims on your own. So we've got to have some patronizing parental authority figure come in and independently evaluate the claims. I mean, it's so patronizing and infantilizing. It's insulting. It's insulting. And so yeah. when, you know, when you've like, he's James is saying that what I wrote was entertaining. It was like, I can't help myself, but be a little sarcastic, like a little snide about it because the, the attitude is so it's condescending. It's insulting to the intelligent person who you don't got You don't have to be a life insurance. They, they present this thing. They make it seem like you've got to be some, you know, you had to take actuarial classes in college or you need to be a mathematician or some kind of engineer to understand life insurance. And then they benefit so that they make you feel that way yep. so that they can then present to you these little oversimplified, stupid, uh, ostensibly expert analysis, third party opinions to help you. Independent. Right? Yeah. It's so <laughs> insulting. I mean, it really drives me crazy. And so, with Policy Genius in particular, just as one example, they have on their website an editorial standards page. And I'm like, Oh, good. Oh, good. Because my favorite thing is to use their own language sure. against them. Uh, 
you know, we're not beholden to any one company and we'll advocate for you. The same, oh, here we go. The same goes for our editorial content. We give you the unbiased information you need and we'll, and we will never recommend a product company or financial strategy we don't think is right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then of course, one part of their, uh, the article was blasting per sellers of whole life because of those darn commissions, you know, of we're course all- you, you always have to, you must attack the character because we all know that everything you pay in premium on a whole life is paid to the agent of the commission and, and the people in the industry, I've, I've seen it and not, I haven't read the article on Policy Genius as I stated earlier, but I will. But I typically see, oh, the first three years of commission goes to the agent. Oh, the first seven years or oh, the first 10 years. It's like they pull numbers out of the air and then they throw percentages on there. And it's just like, where do you get this? I mean, you know, and two, you know, I must say that uh, most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misunderstanding. So if anyone makes a decision based on these types of promoters, then you're making a decision based on someone else's opinion of life insurance. It's just a very poor way to um, address your needs, whatever they may be. But you're sure not going to control the banking function, period, ever with those. Because, and I think you even mentioned it, it's like, it's always by term, right? And, and let's dress it up, two-step process. By term and invest the difference. Like, okay, if I heard that 10 times from, you know, 15 different people, then it must be the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the life insurance industry prior to Nelson Nash has focused on the banking function. I'm not saying that you haven't. Hey, you have, you've had, if you have permanent coverage, whole life policies, you've ha- you have a contractual right to collateralize. Yeah. Right. So no question. People have borrowed against their life insurance policies for a wow. long time. We're constantly reminded about it. The Rockefellers and Ray Kroc. And hey, listen, listen, listen. JC Penney had the one off. Oh, there's a, some, some advisor told them they can get a loan from an insurance company. It's like, yeah, no kidding. This yeah. is not that's not the banking function. No, no. But look, let me say that, you know, Ray Kroc, you know, uh, the Pampered Chef and, you know, Walt Disney, they borrowed against their cash value. You know, because they had it, they put money there. They were building capital there. Okay, now if you think the Rockefellers got their wealth from buying life insurance, you need to get past that marketing. All right, because did they buy life? Of course they did. They put money. What didn't they buy? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But if you think that's how they became billionaires and millionaires and, you know, oh, the Vanderbilts are broke after three generations because they didn't, that is all marketing. Now, you might take a a highlighting a truth. Yeah, they bought life insurance. They did not become, you know, rulers of the world because they bought life insurance. I'm just saying, and then... uh, I need to quit, but I won't for a minute. <laughs> you know, when you see these magazines, and I don't know all the magazines that come out with the richest people in the world. If you think those people listed are the richest people in the world, then you're gullible. You're de- you're you're naive, and you're being deceived. The richest, most wealthy people in the world are never listed. Yeah, you'll never hear their ever. Names. And yeah. they buy life insurance companies. Yeah. Actually, they own by the reinsurance companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then perform the banking function with the little lizards that you know insure automobile insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I mean, what really the and then of course the title of this article was 
Infinite banking life insurance is the latest TikTok trend. Is it also a scam? We talk about titling the episodes that we do. That is not a title. That is a that is a statement and a question. But that's the title. And then you know, but part of their editorial standards is you know they refer to the third party experts whenever necessary, uh, except when they want to blast something. Right then, it's okay to use TikTok. The TikTok people. Yeah, they're the experts. The thirty. Right? Se- yeah, the, those are the ones that are expertly representing what infinite banking oh. is. Uh, so we we could take their word for it and correct them and pick on them, and then we can go, of course, get the fee based planners and the contemporary financial guys. The words business cycle has never fallen out of their mouth never. before, or banking function, never. And, and they're going to be the ones that are going to come in and give you the expert opinion. Yeah, uh, but it's okay. I'm unbiased because it's fee only. Oh, okay, that's how you get paid. So you're a capitalist, right? But commissions are bad because that's how a commission salesperson gets paid. But uh, they're a capitalist. Yeah. You. Know, you there's been lots of articles and things written on, oh, if I get paid fee base over time or pay fees, the consumer, compared to commissions. It's like, I don't know. Let's cherry pick the timeline. Right? Oh, they get all the commission goes to the agent the first year, the first three years, first 10 years. You know, but we're just going to charge you 1% or whatever the minuscule percentage is to manage your money. But let's don't cherry pick that timeline. Right. Right. Let's don't talk about a 30-year, 40-year. 50-year timeline of managing money at, you know, one, one and a half or whatever it is. You you must change the focus or a component if you're doing a calculation, right? So you got to change the focus. It's purely the price of insurance. So let's focus on the price of the death benefit. Right. Term is, no question, the cheapest way. Not really, but it's... They're apples and oranges. They're apples and oranges. One's temporary, one's permanent. Yeah, yeah. But if you're talking about the true pure cost of life insurance, you know, is it a term premium or is it a dividend being paid into the paid up edition rider or a premium being paid into the paid up edition rider? What's the cost of that death benefit? Mm. 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 Okay. And it may be temporary because if you withdraw from a PUA, it's going to reduce the death benefit that that PUA premium purchased. Okay, so that's temporal, temporary, right? I'm just saying... You're saying there's value to things like the dividend that are not accounted for in that... In the price of death benefit, right. Nobody ever talks about, look, if I pay $1,000 to the paid-up edition rider and I'm 25 years old, super-duper preferred, it's going to buy three, four, or five times the death benefit. What's the cost of that? Well, Mm -hmm. then you have to look at the PUA charge every life insurance company has a charge when you pay a PUA premium you can't really see it in the in the in the tabular detail of an illustration but you can find it in your policy contract and if you own a policy I don't care what kind it is you should know the characteristics of the policy because that's your contractual rights in there and the company's contractual obligations so I'm just saying a PUA if I pay a PUA premium and look the the charges are anywhere from five to fourteen percent charge on the p what do you think that's buying more death benefit yeah permanent death benefit no it could be temporary well, if you know if you never withdraw the pua right yeah. the death benefit is permanent but it, and it is paid up yeah right it's paid up paid up additions pua all right so but if i would draw the pua in the future it's going to reduce my death benefit yeah okay I, I still have more death benefit 
than I purchased or sought to purchase in the beginning because that PUA I premium has purchased saying. dividends. And even the dividend I at least buys one time the death benefit. What's the cost of that? So, and I'm bringing this up because it's always, you know, in education, I don't care if you do the CFP, the life insurance, I don't care what kind of education you get in the financial world. The term is always reduced to the price of the death benefit. Yeah. The pure cost of death benefit. It's the least expensive. I right, so let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Okay. So we've got the price of, on the one hand, in the temporary term world, there's the price of the death benefit. Yep. And then you're saying over here in the world of permanent whole life insurance, we even if we consider the idea of dividends going back into the policy as PUA premium, which buy additional death benefit. And even if we then assume that you later surrender those, that previously purchased death benefit, essentially reversing those prior PUA premium payment transactions, thereby causing the amount of death benefit that was purchased to be temporary, right? You yes. had it from the time you, the dividend went to PUA up until when you surrendered. And the PUA, additional PUA premium, right. because but, there's not a charge on the PUA if the dividend is paid. So if I pay, if the dividend is paid to the PUA properly, yep. there's not a charge on there. It's a lesser charge yep. if, if compared to me paying a PUA premium in an existing policy. Okay. But let me wrap this up. Okay. okay so you're saying that even in the whole life world, we got to consider that dividends are coming back into the policy in the form of PUA. That's buying more death benefit. And even if we assume in the future that those PUA premium transactions yeah. are going to be reversed, we could ostensibly then conclude intermediate that that the amount of death benefit that those PUA premiums purchased was temporary yes. in that whole life context. Yeah. But during the time that it was on the policy, it caused greater dividends to be paid during that time. And there is a value to that. Yes. And then compare... The cost. That's a really of, great point. Thank you. And compare the cost of that. Is term really the most efficient way to buy death benefit? My answer is conclusively no. But your situation may be different. I get it. Yeah, there's layers to that. So the first layer yeah. is that we're talking apples and oranges. One's temporary, one's permanent. Yeah. So second, and then from like a, a from a like a technical perspective, that means that one addresses estate planning and intergenerational capital transfer and one doesn't. Like it's a, a meaningful distinction, right? And then, then there's the layer about, well, account for the fact that dividends by PUA and even in the event that we assume that PUA purchases are gonna be reversed later, there's still a, a, a compounded effect due to the increased death benefit during the time that that additional death benefit was left on the contract prior to the surrender. Yes, yes. So there's value there too. Yes. And then third layer, there's also the fact that the there is no charge. Typically there is no charge, no PUA expense charge, no administrative charge or fee when dividends go back into the into the policy in the form of PUA. So there's value there too. Yeah. And if you don't account for all three of those, then it's, a quote unquote death benefit comparison is just illegitimate. It's illegitimate, incomplete. And in addition to the cost of that, don't leave out the cost, right? So if, if and I get it that you may not have the contractual right to put in a million dollars into the PUA, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, Maybe you need more death benefit. And I'm not saying there's not a place for term. There is a place for term, in my opinion, even in the infinite banking world, okay? Um, but you still compare the cost of the death benefit that the PUA purchases purchased, compare that cost to going and buying a term policy, and, and maybe you go buy an increasing term. And there are a lot of term 
products are not available today that were in the past. You could buy at one time an increasing or a decreasing term. I'm just saying the cost of that increased death benefit from PUA contributions and dividends, premiums, premiums to the PUA, and the cost of the term death benefit, there's a cost. And if you all life insurance is priced by cost per thousand, it's more efficient in a PUA. Mm. Then the cost is lower. Yeah. So, and we're not even talking about banking yet. That's all no, just cost of death benefit. But it exactly. So, but if we practice banking, which everybody must jump over because it's more complicated than a two-step by the term <laughs> invest a different solution. So, pay cheap now for temporary coverage and give me your money and I'll invest it, dummy. Through a government plan. Of course, dummy. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about dumbing it down. It's so in term yeah. invested different. As opposed to, I don't know, let's think through this idea of capital. And you know, you've done a great job over the last five years bringing capital in uh, or enhancing Nelson's work on capital, you know, and he talks about capital, jumps over. Okay. Um, two step program. I term invest the difference. Or I now have to take responsibility. I have to acknowledge that banking is, banking exists. I'm we're all practicing banking, which is nothing but the movement of money, right? Loans, loan repayments, deposits in a bank, right? Withdrawals, life insurance company, premium, withdrawals or loans. Um so let's jump over the banking function because it's so simple to do a two-step, one and done, yeah. right? As opposed to, I've got to read a book. Yeah. I've got a, you've got a hundred hours of video on there, but I don't have time. Well, hell, I don't either. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and then it brings you face to face with a lot of things. Number one, who's performing the banking function? And most of us are not even taught the value of the banking function. You know, we discover it going through life when the banker shows up and, you know, assets are swapping because you couldn't perform their requirements, mm -hmm. which, uh, and I can go on and on about that. So it's it's simple, but it takes more time to understand or wrap your mind around and make that decision whether you want to implement this in your life. Mm -hmm. So and then let's don't even talk about intergenerational planning because I've seen all kinds of statistics on term how much as a percentage is term actually in force at natural mortality. It is dang near none. It's it's somewhere less than 3% down to 1%. I've seen all kinds of articles. How much of a term a term in general is paid at natural mortality? 97% of it is not paid out. Oh. Yeah, I'd be surpri surprised if the number was that low. I think it's more. Lower. Yeah. It, I think so, too. Yeah. But I don't want to be like the, uh, you know, the commentator over there that knows nothing about their subject. Sure. Well, that's a pretty informed <laughs> opinion. It's not, we didn't watch a TikTok video and someone asserted it, so we're exactly. going to repeat it. And, that, and, too, and, and I'll, I'll uh, acquiesce here, but who goes to TikTok and makes a financial decision? If it's you, you know, God bless you. Um, why would anybody, I mean, such a low-hanging fruit to target, right? Unlicensed, un, you know, financial, non-financial people giving advice on TikTok, and you're going to make a financial decision based on that? Seriously? So who can't pick on that? 
policy genius. But then you're going to say that's where you're going to go find the IBC or the infinite banking concept as Nelson Nash properly designed, discovered, taught on TikTok. Yeah. And maybe there's some out there that exist. I mean, because I don't get on TikTok yet. I'll be there. But it won't be to give financial advice in a 30-second spot. Anyway. One thing I've noticed is that just among the people that I, I know and interacted with, the idea that you're going to – and I think that in older generations that this was not the case, but – for people around my age, I just turned 30, but around my age, just like last week, happy yeah, birthday. Thank you. Uh, around my age, the idea of an ongoing professional relationship with somebody who is specialized in their field. I don't think that really exists as a concept. Really? I really don't like the idea that you have an accountant and that's your person and that's who you go to for that service or the idea that you might have an attorney or the idea of an adv a financial advisor someone who's there on an ongoing it's just part of your I don't think that is as much of a feature of economic life for younger people I think it's wow. much more this idea of uh you know compartmentalization pick and choose, you know, get a little bit from here, get a little bit from there. Mm -hmm. There's an inherent skepticism in the division of labor fundamentally. Uh, and so this, in, so of course, you know, let's go online. Let's go online. Let's go on to social media and let's get uh, goldfish bite-sized clips of how to live life. And yeah, I think that's, I think technology is a part of that because it's enabled that method of communication. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you throw ads in there. And Joe Rogan did this thing recently where he read the terms of service on TikTok. Mm -hmm. They capture everything. Your IP address, your device, your screen resolution, the, 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 the titles of the files saved on your phone, the locations you go to, the other devices you use, what you do on those other devices, the other apps that you have downloaded, your keyboard keystrokes. All, right. all of which is captured. All of that is then sold. And so it's profitable. In other words, there's now, uh, it's not just the technology. It's not just that bandwidth is cheap and that data it's is easy. It's data. that there's a major profit motive behind it uh, to fuel all of that. Uh, and so then I raised the question the last time. We talked about TikTok before. How many of those numbers are real? I don't know. But look, when a, when a view means 30 seconds of watching mm -hmm. right a view on our channel uh, or on your channel of this episode you know of an hour long hour and a half long that view one view is not the same thing no. as a view on tiktok but we use the same word and it's denominated in the same numbers oh view there view here is it they're fundamentally different and it, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sad, like for humanity, that that's the way people are learning about serious topics. But yeah. on the other side of it, uh, it doesn't bother me one bit that uh, so many people are just are distracting themselves with that. I mean, I'm sad for them because mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to work out. You're not going to go, you know, when you need service in five years, are you going to send a message to your advisor on TikTok? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things there. So. You know, all of your data exists in China, 
right? Yeah. Oh, well, it exists in the CIA or whatever, too, because I'm sure all of that keystroke. It's stored in multiple locations. (laughs) Underground is secret location. So it's all big data. I mean, you're just you're just a a consumer. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, let's don't even talk about the social credit and control in China. They need the data to be effective. Yeah. To be effective prison wardens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's policy genius. That was, I mean, that wasn't all policy genius, but. Well, we didn't sit down to talk about policy genius. I just couldn't help it. It's so entertaining. Well, it's part of the broader thing of these hit pieces every now and then, always from the buy term and invest the difference people. Mm -hmm. There has to be this, you know, I don't pick fights. I don't go out and look for this stuff. I don't go out and you know, got to tear apart this or that thing. I'm not interested. It's when the conflict is initiated, right? We got to characterize IBC. We're the third party independent people. You know, funny enough, in this uh, article, not one Nelson Nash Institute authorized IBC practitioner was quoted. Was the institute even quoted? No. Did they did they mention Nelson's they name? They did. Wow, somebody can read. I even, uh, but I they even didn't. Said something <laughs> about that. I was surprised. I'm like, you know, you got to recognize where real is real and where good is good. Like, at least they mentioned the name Nelson Nash and the name becoming your own banker. Yeah. Which most of the TikTok people don't even do. Nah. Well, you know, this idea of service that you mentioned, you're going to call your TikTok professional or your Instagram professional or your uh, Facebook professional or your YouTube professional for that matter. Yeah. You know, and the policies years. won't last. <clears throat> well, look, I, we get calls every day, daily, uh, if not daily, multiple times a week of people that have like purchased policies or started down the track of becoming your own banker. And I'm not saying they made tragic mistakes. I'm not saying that at all. We get, I mean, weekly contact emails phone calls like i've done this but you know it wasn't i I didn't i don't know what i thought i knew you know and it's like listen to your channel it's like would you look at this or would you consider this or should i what you know would you just they know that what they're doing or what they have done is not a not there's no relationship to what nelson discovered taught and promoted right and, and two when i say promoted it is so not like promoting on tiktok or anywhere else when nelson printed his book in 2000 he stopped writing life insurance other than his family all right he he and i mean he had his clients that he took care of but he didn't take on new clients he stopped writing life insurance so when i say promote i'm not talking about promote in that sense he promoted the idea that you could become your own banker at the you and me level right um so People continually call. Why? Because they, half the time they don't. They don't even understand their. They. They don't know what they have. They don't know what they have, and or they how don't, it compares to what's possible, and how to best you know manage it, or what they should do, or be aware of. Um, you know, if they do this, what's the result? And, and some people it genuinely sidelines genuinely and hopefully not but likely permanently sidelines them we've talked about jared before who couldn't get over the fact that his iul policies illustrate at six percent 
annual every year and that he's going to have all this passive cash flow mm-hmm. late in life when his mortality costs us through the roof because his age is so high. Mm-hmm. Could not get right. over that. After four weeks worth of of calls that I just donated to the black hole of time. Um, yeah. Uh, so it really, it, it, it actually distracts and sidelines people. It does. Especially the ones who have done well, uh, who think who, and for all intents and purposes, rightly so have developed a degree of comp of competence and also confidence in their decision-making ability and if that marketing bait tastes good enough, they stick around and they'll swim in that pond. And it's that's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. The IUL as a whole, I mean, literally, we could run a podcast on the IUL. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really want to. But. <laughs> no, I don't either. I mean, when you get the basics and the fundamentals and of how IUL works in any flavor, IUL is indexed, but... Index universal life, universal life, variable universal life. I mean, when you understand what goes on there, uh, and most agents do not. Um, and I know I'm painting with a broad brush, but I like to say, as you said many times, the canvas is a big, there's a big canvas. <laughs> Got a lot of canvas to cover. <laughs> Get out the roller. <laughs> um, but when, but when you under, when you see and understand that the cost of the insurance continually goes up, and there's nothing that you can do about that in, except for uh, the only thing you can do is increase the premium and or reduce the death benefit. And I'm surprised that they only you know look at or use six percent. You know that you could use multipliers in the universal life and you know and, and illustrate higher rates of return than that. Yeah. And those are net rates of return too that they typically uh, illustrate. Uh, we can go on, but you know. But whole life is just such a small rate or small, you know, I could do so much better anywhere else. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. In contrast to all of that nonsense was a recent interview you did with uh, Jerry and Becky. I forget their last names. Did they give their last names? Stringer. 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 Yeah. yeah. They're public people and great. I love them. That was great. I, I went, there, were, there were a few things I wanted to say about that. So that, Okay. I should I should I'll bring up the episode number so I can tell people what it is. They can go look at it. But uh, it was very recent. Here we are in July of 2022. Let's see how fast I am. Oh wow, I've got it. There you go. Your name. Uh, okay, episode 137. I don't love the title, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but, but in fact, so the Wait, title. What is the title? The title. Is, the title is real estate flipping and owner financing with IBC. Fine, I, but I chose the title. And look, I know, but let me say this because okay, uh, you'll see why I don't. I don't know about it. Um, Did you say one thirty-seven? One thirty-seven. Okay, yeah, episode one thirty-seven. So Becky is uh, has been a real estate agent is now a real estate broker. And so one thing that they use their policy for, they take policy loans to go and buy the mortgage notes from the banker on their real estate properties, which brilliant, great, love it. But as soon as you hang something out, like real estate investing. I know. Like, and and, and wh- I loved where you went with this, and I, but I don't know that people picked up on it. That's why I want to highlight it, oh. is that you said, that's something you know about. 
And so what, what was important about that is not that you could take policy loans to go buy the debt on real estate. Yeah. What was important about it was that she could take policy loans, they could take policy loans to go be active in something they knew about. Yep. And that happened to be real estate because she happens to be an agent and now a broker since 1985. So she probably knows something about real estate. But you also mentioned firearms because Jerry was big into guns. He even said at one, at one time... <laughs> He's like, well, I'm not flipping guns. I'm just a buyer. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want the uh, was the the mandated federal insurance to be a, a a dealer. And so I get, but I like that you brought that up because like it's not just real estate. And the firearm example is a great contrast because of course you can't legally do it. I get it. you got to have all the freaking licenses and whatnot. But it's it's something so unusual that people don't normally think of that he happened to know something about. He's going to do it anyway. Right. He's well, doing it. Well, and another, and another example was the laser engraving. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that, going there. That he did. It, that's, a, that's an attainable thing, right? You could buy a piece of equipment that ordinary people would never buy, but that there are hobby people, enthusiast people, you know, the kinds of tools and equipment that you would nev never ordinarily buy because the price has five digits to it or six digits yeah, to it yeah. that you would never ordinarily buy now becomes a possibility. And how many times you go sit down with the big four financial uh, advisor person who talks you through how to go buy equipment yeah. In, in the thing that you care about, that you know about, that you hadn't even told the advisor about because you don't think it's a financial thing. You don't think it's an investment type thing. You don't think it's an entrepreneurial thing to be discussing with the financial advisor. How often does that come up? Oh, never. Okay. But suddenly it's on the table yeah. for somebody who has access to capital. And, you know, we always talk about Nelson and in particular this idea that capital attracts opportunity. There's a sense in which, I mean, that is fundamentally true, but the, I, that word attract, I think in my mind, at least, maybe other people are different. In my mind, at least, that seems, the word attract kind of seems fleeting. Like if you're attracted to a person, you might see them and like, oh, I feel an attraction. And then maybe they walk off or go away and it's, it's like, oh, that's gone. You know, there's a, there's a, a temporality, like a, a fleeting nature to this idea of attraction. Whereas it's really like a magnetism. It's like, you know, it, have capital, will have opportunity. And it's, it's stronger. It's got to be stated stronger than just attraction, although attraction is correct. Uh, and that laser thing is exactly it. You know, and how many people, Nelson, again, all things in finance are relative. How many people are in that position? Yeah. Where this, somebody, your competition, the word competition. You know where competition is most intense is where people are the least capitalized because yep. everybody's fishing in the same pond. Everybody's fighting in the same pen. But if you differentiate yourself by being well capitalized, throw in there a little bit of, you know, God granted individual unique talent and ability, you're a party of one. I mean, <laughs> what competition, you know? It's all between your ears. Yeah. It is. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because... Uh, that there's a look. Jerry is very conservative, right? He, we we could have gone much further, and we can with all the guests that come, you know, in take their time to come in. Um, and, and this is a hobby that he's had, and he's very good at. It. He makes a war. It makes all kinds of things. You know, the 
Texas Ranger presentation retirement boxes. I mean, this this guy's very, very talented, right? And so he has uh, a lot of, you know, repeat customers, right? Um, he was telling me, and I think he even brought it up on the on the episode that he's got so much work, he turns it down because he retired. He's like, I don't want to hire anybody, and I don't want to be 12 hours in the shop running that laser. Um, so, you know, your 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 comments on magnetism and, and attraction, it's like the attraction isn't fleeting, right? I know the word. It's continual. Yeah. It's continual attraction. Yeah. Various opportunities. I, and I've said, and I, I believe because it's true, um, when you practice the infinite banking concept, your ability to even recognize an opportunity increases. It's a skill, Right, because everything walking down the street is not an opportunity, and whenever you have capital, and you're not uh, dependent upon someone else's capital, then you know triggering all the I'm without or I'm less than or you know I can't do it because of this. All of that uh, goes away or lessens. I have capital now. Um, I'm not every deal. You know, I'm not pressured. I don't feel self pressure to go get a deal just to be in real estate or whatever it is. Um, and <clears throat> so your ability to spot and recognize an opportunity absolutely increases in my experience. That reminds me, you know, Jake just had a birthday, right? Uh, when he was small, he had a, uh, he liked RVs, right? Um, he's a kid, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And so when the RV show would come to town, we would go to the RV show because he loved RVs. And we're walking through these things. And I remember the first time Jen and I went with him and the price tag on all of these things. And then there's, um, you know, oh, this one's just 10 and stick or stick and 10. That listen to the salespeople talk about each other and their product. It was all fabulous, right? But I'm like, man, I really want one of these. It's like, oh, this is what I want. I don't RV yet, right? <laughs> um, I didn't. We we didn't have a place to park. We couldn't afford it. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, maybe could have got financing. Maybe. Anyway, we go. You know, several years later, we've gone several times. And then when you can walk in there and just write a check for one, it's like the desire to have one is gone. Mm. I'll rent one. Thank you. I don't need one. You know. You know. I mean, that, but that's all between the years. I can't have that. Well, that's exactly what I want. Oh, I can have whatever that is, and nah. Your degree of access to capital transformed how, your preferences for that particular thing. Yeah, and my internal thought process of you know I can't. I'm separated from. I'm less than. You know, you're telling me this is going to solve all my problems, RV or whatever it is, and all the joy that it's going to bring. Yeah. Okay, well, what an escapism going through that thought process. But the mere fact that you can't go get it, you know, is like, just tell mm-hmm. a child they can't have something and then ask them what they want. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it was, that was a profound moment for me. It was a growing, learning. That so, is profound. It, I'm like, I, I've you. gone through that very recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you think you want something and then. Turn, come to find out you can have it if you want and it's like well do I really want it like, <laughs> or was it just you know daydreaming a or? meat sweat moment <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm that. saying meat sweats because we went out last night and ate a bunch of steak. I didn't get the meat sweats, but I tried. <sighs> right. No, that's real. But then, okay, so other things that came up, I like how Becky directly mentioned the discomfort level with the idea of life insurance, how oh, that yeah. was a hurdle, and then how she had to get over that. Yeah. I was very honest, and that was cool. I didn't know if I if I was aware, you know, it didn't come to mind that Jerry had participated in A.O. Williams. I didn't know that either. I didn't know. If I did know, like, I just didn't think about it. A.O. Williams was, in the 80s, the largest seller uh, by volume of insurance for multiple consecutive years. And they profited off of the 1979 FEC report that blasted dividend-paying whole life and made a whole business off of replacing permanent dividend paying whole life with term and partnered with mutual fund companies to sell the high load mutual funds uh, and made, I mean, eventually sold out to Primerica and A.O. Williams still alive, a billionaire. Uh, it, it's They're probably the reason why we have that term, buy term and invest the difference. No, he got it from a Fortune 500 company that he worked for. I mean, the reason it's so prominent, like they were such a, it amplified that message so much across the country. I didn't know that was, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, now Prime that. America, you know, Barry Dyke and I think his second book, I mean, just goes through the uh, his sites, the uh, holdings, the life insurance holdings, permanent life insurance holdings of corporations. And you'd be surprised how much dividend paying whole life insurance Prime America owns, but they want their consumers to buy term. Wonder why. Huh. I've said it many times. I, I don't know. I do know uh, which is most profitable to the life insurance company out of three products. Is it term insurance? Is it universal life? Or is it dividend paying whole life? Well, a mutual company is the one that pays the dividend, typically. right? They're owned by the policyholders. And I'm not uh, married to the life insurance companies, but it's less profitable up front in the short term compared to term insurance and universal life. Which one is more profitable? I suspect that it's term insurance. Um, But they're both very, very profitable. So that makes sense then why Prime America gets their people to buy term. Yeah. It's all profits. This is from federalreserve.gov, the board of governors of the Federal Reserve System. They're under careers, under pension plan. Mm. Most employees are eligible to participate in the Federal Reserve Retirement Plan, the board's pension plan. And it is a pension, a defined benefit, not a defined contribution like a tax-qualified plan that they want everybody else to participate in. After completing five years of service, service, what a careful use of language, you are vested and entitled entitled to a monthly retirement benefit that can begin as early as age 55. Hey, by the way, uh, what happens if you draw from a tax-qualified defined contribution plan before the age of 59 and a half? Mm-hmm. Oh, are you penalized for that? Okay, but the Fed board member, or the Fed employees, they can start drawing at 55, penalty-free, guaranteed. No, I'm, I'm sure they're financially secure and, you know, uh, no problems, but their pension is guaranteed by the PBGC. Pension, buyers, gar- uh, pension, the, something uh, guarantee association. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's pension buyer. We're going to look it up. Okay. 
We'll have a recorded an episode. Pension benefit guarantee corporation. Pension benefit guarantee corporation. So they 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 insure quote unquote pensions. You know, like the FDIC quote unquote insures you know deposits at a bank. Like the guarantee associations are secondary. You know, guarantee to life insurance and annuity products. Right. Okay. Uh, so I have a, it's not out yet, but recorded a friend, uh, Paul Horsley. He was an airplane driver, right? Big, big company goes, you know, merges, goes bankrupt. And that was part of his, uh, awakening. He's mm-hmm. about ready to retire. Oh, and the PBGC comes in and guarantees, uh, a part of hmm. their pension that they're all working for. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only reason why they work, but it's a big part. Yeah. <clears throat> that can never happen over here at the Federal Reserve because they'll just like create digits or whatever. Right? They'll just print the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half of all PhD economists work for the Fed. Half. 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 What's wrong with them? I, I mean, that's a legit. How much question. time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, another episode, huh? My uh, point is that the people in charge are looking after themselves with permanent products. And Barry Dyke often refers to this in his books. I mean, and, and they're all funded by an annuities. Which, life insurance companies. A type of life insurance. Yeah, a, a whole life policy offers the same kind of permanency, the same kind of guaranteed elements, and more. The policy loan provision. The non-forfeiture options. The, the, the superior tax treatment. Well, you know, the uh, the uh, cash balance plans, you know, you can bring a cash balance plan into a 401k, and then part of the cash balance contribution can be life insurance, very limited, can't use PUA or very limited PUA, and the other half has to be an annuity, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's about guarantees. And then, of course, that has a tax deduction component, which is, you know, when you go to the CPA and he says, hey, I'll get you a 30% uh, the they'll say I'll get you a 30% rate of return. You know, they're talking about a tax deduction, which is a whole nother, um, just not apples to apples kind of thing. But if I have a lot of cash value in life insurance policies or life insurance policies, can I annuitize that cash value for a guaranteed income for pick the time period? Huh? Yeah. Whenever I want. Yeah, I mean, you may be limited, right? Because the cash value is cash value, and as you're withdrawing it or what have you, I mean, it's going to go down to zero. So, I mean, it just doesn't take that much management. It's like, okay, here, life insurance company, how much income can I have to age 99 or 98? What's guaranteed? What's not guaranteed? It's like Nelson always used to say, and I do this with people when we get to the illustration review portion of the advisory process. This is third grade math. (laughs) I do. It's very simple. Let's assume you start drawing money at 70. Let's assume you die at 100. That's 30 years. Let's look at what that annual cash value growth is at around 70. Let's look at what that annual cash value growth looks like out in the future. I get it. Illustrations are based on the current experience of the company. Dividends will change. The numbers won't be exact. All right. But a lot, the, the main contributing factor behind that number is your premium payment. So it's going to be in the ballpark. It's going to be a heck of a lot closer than that made-up number on the tax qualified plan investment prospectus, right? That we had that we just plucked from thin air, right? The, <laughs> totally arbitrary. This isn't arbitrary. This is current, very specific. Current experience of the company, time, your premium payment, well-run mutual company. 
non-arbitrary, very specific, as specific as we can get. If we to have any more accurate foresight, we'd have to be God. We'd have to know exactly how things are going to plan out. We're not there, yeah. but we can get pretty close. And so let's take a you know what's the cash value? Well, let's, at a hundred, let's divide by thirty. You know this is it's not people are come away with this idea. And it's often because, and I have a story related to this, it is often because, and this, I'm not a digging at the advisory world, but it is often because the advisors themselves do not understand the product. And I had a, I have a client, John. Hi, John. Uh, Thanks for listening, John. Yeah, whose, whose wife, for various reasons, uh, had a, a, an unfavorable offer from a, a more preferred IBC-friendly company, but she had received... Previous to engaging with me, she had received an offer from one of the big four who have more lenient underwriting processes because they're fleecing other people with their financial services products. So they don't need to have superior selection. So they they made an offer somehow. Even the, the underwriter at the company that provided the unfavorable offer he's like yeah she, she should take that because we're not moving yeah. and and they move like if i ask them and there's greater scrutiny and they'll they'll make exceptions if appropriate but he's like yeah no yeah and understandably so given her background which i won't say here but anyway so they had an offer on the table at this other company which they had not yet accepted but they hadn't also they had neither rejected it so it's still available if they wanted it and so i told john i'm like look this is, it's not, that policy is fine as it is. It's whole life policy. Um, it, it, it was a, I won't get too much into how the design of it came about, but it, it essentially a, a base only dividend paying whole life policy. And then they added a blended term PUA rider sure. onto the policy. And so there was the ability to generate some cash value. But to my mind, I'm like, well, Look, you've already submitted the application. Theoretically, we could ask for the company to make changes and maybe we can improve it. Maybe the advisor who is before not, it's issued. Before it's issued. <clears throat> right. Right. And even if that's if even if that requires, you know, their underwriters to go back and look at it, so be it. Put them to work. I mean, so I'm like, what I told John, which I will not ever do again, is, you know. Look, I don't want anything. For I hear a learning lesson coming on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, I told John, I'm like, you know, I, I'd be happy to talk with that advisor and just, I don't want nothing. I don't want to be on an app. I don't want to check. I'll just talk to him and see, does that particular company offer the necessary elements that I would consider to be superior to what's on that policy right now? Well, that advisor's already out when you use the word superior to their work. Well, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> James, I, it was an ear beating. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the, it was just caught from, from go on this video call about five minutes in. You know, I'm on the video screen, so I can't really react like I normally would. But uh, it was just he had to defend what he did. And I, I, didn't, see, I wasn't I even picking on him. Self-defense. Uh, justifying, uh, I bet he's like, uh, you know, making sure the client agrees with whatever he did and whatever they justified. And, you know, I told you, and then he probably tries to put some kind of an onus onto the client, whether we covered it, but you we know, met you forgot. 12 times. 12 Good. times. We probably spent 20, 30 hours. <laughs> God yeah. bless you. And now here I am. 
facilitating the sale. And he's mad at me. Yeah, of course. I was blown away. And But then as he's going through, it, the language is so revealing. You know, one of my questions was, well, does this company offer a long-dated level term rider instead of a, a, an annual renewing blended? And he's like, well, you know, the, the dividend could go to purchase one year, term, but it's on the PUA right now. And Justification. We, we, we put the dividend to the PUA. <laughs> I didn't ask about the dividend option. <laughs> you didn't ask about the PUA. Either. I didn't ask about any of that. <laughs> I asked about the availability of term riders. And he shared a screen. And so I can see on the screen that there's a 20-year term rider. Oh, okay. And I'm, but I asked him the question, and he's an inch down poking around at the dividend i'm like no no the term can we do the term rider the long dated level term rider all i wanted to know is can we have long dated level term instead and then can the individual can the policy owner pay pua for longer because and i had to tell him this like i don't know if you know this but like with a blended term pua product you're not going to get as many years of PUA as you otherwise could had there been long dated level term. He goes, oh, well, that's never happened. We've, we've, we've always been able to pay PUA with long dated. In a hundred and some odd years of the, of the company's history, people have always been able to pay that. You know, because the, the, the one, the blended term, uh, the, the blended PUA term writer, you know, they, the premium for that never goes up. Right, we've never had a premium go up on that in all our hundred and some odd years of existence. And I'm like, sir, I understand that the premium's <laughs> not gone up because the rider falls off the contract before the individual insured gets too old. He's like, well, that's 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 never happened. Okay, all right. At that point, it's like I'm I could rather watch paint dry. I mean, this would be more productive. And so I was just and so come to find out that this big four company. You know, big, strong company uh, doesn't even allow, and I did not know this ahead of time, had to take this ear beating to find out, that big four company does not allow P, their, with their version of PUA payment if you use anything other than that blended term PUA yeah. rider. You have to use the blended version. If you put long dated level term, you could do that, but there's not going to be any PUA. And, I, and that was like eye-opening. He even tried it. He clicked the, the the term thing. He tried to input their version of PUA and click generate, and the system generated error codes. You cannot have PUA without. Uh, did, you, the, did you screenshot that? No, I didn't. Dang it! Dang, I didn't. Yeah, see, it was a learning lesson. Yeah, on multiple, uh, multiple levels. levels. <laughs> well, yeah. At the end of it, I told John, I'm like, look, and he knew. Because he knows how I get it. He watches the podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I try to be nice to the guy. I don't want to hurt. I'm not trying to step on toes. I really wasn't. Like, I really right, just wanted right. them to end up with a superior banking-oriented policy. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, look, you you know, you might be able to go see, can you have no term and pay some PUA, you know, maybe with a, a structure where more of the total premium goes to the base. You know, maybe you can, he actually raised that. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe you can do it. I don't know. We didn't ask. But if you want to keep asking him, uh, God bless you. I don't want to be involved, but you know, you could take, <laughs> leave me off that call. <laughs> yeah. You could take delivery of what was offered as it is right yeah. now with the blended term and it's not ideal. And he knows, and there's still cash value, you yeah. know, and it's still going to look good just like a 90 10 does and all that. It's not going to be as good as it could have been, but that's fine. So still something, but she, she has something she's insurable, right? If you're highly rated, um, and uh, I'm not going into a deep discussion there, but look, 
uninsured uninsurability generally happens suddenly. All right, look, I'm 59. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, floating around in my pool, you know, enjoying the traffic, you know, watching, like I'm watching the traffic go by in yeah, my pool. Yeah, one car every three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, wow, it just dawned on me. I just turned 59. I'm not quite there. I'm a, I'm a few months away from being able to rate all of my qualified retirement plans without a penalty. Hmm. It's dang it. It's like, you know, it happens. I'm just saying we age, right? When, when You know, when I'm... Young, I don't think I'm going to hit 30 or 50. Um, you know, my point here is the becoming uninsurable generally happens suddenly. I mean, it might be a slow decline and then it's, you're uninsurable. Yeah. Right. And so slowly over time and then all at once. Exactly. And so if someone's insurable, you know, I mean, and I appreciate you doing the right thing. You know, we have the discussion all the time here everywhere. It's like, People can talk about illustrations. They can talk about this. They can talk about that. They can talk about replacement. They can talk about manipulating. It's like, listen, what is correct? What is the best for the client? And anything that deviates from that is wrong, Mm -hmm. period. So um, her being rated, you know, she, I haven't looked at the case. I don't know all the details, but- um, if you're rated, it's probably a good idea to take the rating and then work on dropping the rating if it's possible. And that policy on her sounds to me like it's just one of multiple policies. So they are building a banking They're system. Building a system. Right. I mean, I was talking about this the other day too with the uh, with an with an agent that um, work with and mentor and. and uh, we're talking about well, direct or non-direct recognition. This is direct. This is non-direct, and, and I get it. It is what it is. But what's the best interest in the client? I mean, I've got non-direct policies. I mean, direct, direct recognition policies that are sixteen and eighteen years old. The company doesn't even pay a dividend anyway, <laughs> right? And I assure you, we, uh, you know, so and I'll bring that you paid up. Paid the premium, like. Uh, uh, yeah, they're like, well, why, why don't you ten thirty five exchange, or you know, why don't you reduce paid up? I'm like, you know what, you cannot put on this illustration is all the automobiles, the vacations, the dental expense. We don't have dental insurance, so it's all. It's not like it's a health insurance deductible, and all. There's no place to put all that on the life insurance illustration, and those. I and think, they weren't going to pay a dividend anyway. <laughs> well, I didn't know that at the time, right? Because uh, they all come around, you know, oh, we love the infinite banking concept. Yeah, we know who Nelson Nash is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy said the same thing. Oh, I've got his book. Of course. See, yeah. I've got it right back there. I haven't read it. And, you know, and, and I'm like, but I mean, it, those policies are a part of a larger. Why do I want to go through underwriting again? Well, because I want more policies, but I'm not going to go through underwriting just to replace those policies. You know, restart that whole yeah. compound of growth curve. Yeah. And I don't care if it's 16, 18 years for me. Those are the first ones. I mean, we don't, I'm just saying that not all policies look alike. Um, but do you, do you think I care now? Hmm. I, I do not care. Yeah. I tell, I tell my story about this to clients. I don't know if I've mentioned it here before, but you know, I got a policy after I met Nelson huh. in May of 2016. Uh, was it January? It was early May because my policy date for the policy, I went and got a policy like immediately after. Meeting. Typical, you know, it's like I heard Nelson Nash, so I'm going to go get a policy because you know it's good. But then it's talk- easy, right? All I got to do is buy insurance, right? Yeah, okay. So this little mangled 
novelty <laughs> policy. <laughs> very, very good life insurance company. Great life insurance company. One of the oldest in the country. Yeah. Uh, horrible design. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And neither did the agent. God bless her. She's a nice woman, but it just... Yeah. Anyway, so the premium was too low. Even then, even when I was working part-time, three nights a week at a restaurant, full-time student, the premium was still too low. Yeah. Uh, I didn't... The idea of term on the uh, term rider, or the idea that PUA premium, the amount of PUA I could pay might change in the future. Like, that wasn't even a concept to me. I'm like, well, if I have this... I built it off of... I built it. I didn't build it. I told her I want what is in this book, you know, part four equipment financing. It's a 37.5, structure. I want 37.5% of my annual premium to go to base, and I want 62.5% to go to PUA because that's what Nelson did. In, so 16 years after that book was published. Two CSO table changes. That's <laughs> so bad. You know, yeah, yeah, we can go on and on. <laughs> so bad. But the agent, did the agent, does she have to like read the book and study that illustration to do that? Oh, no. Or does she just take it up to her, you know, managing GA and say, hey, can you build this? Yeah. I don't know. I'm that's just... exactly what happened. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I went later to work for this company for a bit, and that's exactly <laughs> what they teach you to do. Just the client says so, you want, then give it to them, you know. Yeah. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth kind of thing. And so she's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Uh, yeah, the, P, the, the maximum PUA on that policy that I wanted was payable for the first year. <laughs> and then it's fine. I explained to him, and, and I continue, it's like, uh, I explained why he wouldn't and why he shouldn't. Uh, but I did make an offer, and it's a standing offer. I'll buy the I policy. Know, yeah. It's like with, with Nelson, you know, when he uh, writes about his silver experience and how, uh, yeah, uh, building a warehouse of wealth. I'm like, it was a standing offer because he bought silver like almost to peak at 40, it went to like 4950. <laughs> and I just couldn't help it every time. I'm like, Nelson, you want to sell that silver? Yeah. I'm still a buyer, you know. It's like, I'll even pay, you know, when, when silver dropped below his purchase price, you know, I'm like, I'll pay you what you paid. You know, I'm like, I'll give you your money back, you know, because wherever you bought it, they probably have a buyback guarantee anyway. I'll even make uh, (laughs) just a jack with him, you know? (laughs) So, but you know, have I replaced it? No. Will I? No. Do I continue to pay the little tiny premium? Yes. And I'll continue to. Um, And it could have been a lot better, but there's cash value there. Yeah. And you can RPU it, you know, and you can, you can like, uh, 1035 exchange right, and all the, about a hundred and it's going to get paid every year between now and then. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm bringing that up because just in general, you know, some of these people that call almost to the person regularly every week, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've done this. What should I do? You know, should I 1035 exchange it, which is what they hear very often. Oh, let's get rid of that. And, you know, and, and we'll, we'll build you this. And it's like, that's not always the case. It's like some of these schmucks out here, the agents, not you, the lovely listener. Let me see. Let me see. I got nothing but love. Okay. Um, you know, you know, I had clients call about the seventh, sixth, seventh year, and it's like, uh, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, you know, want to do something different. Or you get the the uh, replacement notice, you know, which by law you're supposed to, you know, have if you're going to replace the policy. But I don't know what agents do, and I don't know why they do it half the time. Anyway. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, invariably, invariably, it's they've 
you know, clicked on something, they're drugged down these rabbit holes, and you got some guy out there trying to shred a five, six, seven, eight, nine year old policy God, to replace with stories, a new policy. Some of the stories you've told me about experiences you've had or clients of yours that have had that experience, I'm like blown away. Why? You know, and they know, they innately, innately know. I mean, I've gained a lot of clients because it's like, no, here, here, look at what you have. This is what it's doing. This is what it is, you know, and keep it, pay the premium. Yeah. What, you know, manage it. Yeah. I mean, if it's worth replacing, yeah, by all means replace it, but don't do it uninformed. Yeah. Right. But when you have a dividend paying life insurance, I mean, it's, you're pretty hard pressed to, I'm very hard pressed to replace it. It is never where you start, in my opinion. But, you know, they, they create these, the marketers create these great big, you know, uh, Excel spreadsheets or whatever. And I'm sure there's software out there in the industry to shred each other's. That life insurance companies' products or it's whatever. It's probably the same company selling the software to the two different competitors. You think? Yeah, and getting them all dependent upon that third-party software, right? And then they want to promote it to you, the consumer, the client, so you can be dependent upon it. And it's like, that's the opposite of what the infinite banking concept is. It's the opposite of becoming your own banker, is to be independent, not dependent. So, Going back to Becky and Jerry... You know, she mentioned the dividend thing. I've just, the more time has come on what I, okay, so what really surprised me, which is looking back, it shouldn't have, but she had been a real estate agent for quite some time Mm -hmm. and then come to find out that that APR thing on the mortgage has nothing to do with the actual interest rate that we consider, yeah. what people think of when they hear the word interest rate, you know, percentage of the principal paid to the lender is what people think uh, as an interest rate. Oh, or right. if you invest money, the percentage of what you invested that you receive would be your interest income. Like that, that's what people think of when they think of interest and appropriately so, right? That's a yep. perfectly economically coherent understanding. That has nothing to do with APR. And one, one day, I'm going to do a, you know, just self-inflicted punishment study of that <laughs> That's what it is. 1972 or 3 Truth and Lending Act yeah. where APR came about. You know, they, sometimes I see on social media, there's this one congresswoman. I don't know where she's from, but she's one of these alleged consumer advocate people who was a CPA or whatever and wrote the textbooks and explained how to do APR. And there's like these gotcha videos online where she's, you know, criticizing a, a Biden administration official who doesn't know how to calculate APR. And they think that, oh, she can't calculate APR. I'm like, who cares? What the, can you, Congresswoman, calculate the dang interest rate? Oh, what's that? Yeah. Uh, not you know total blank out and i have to ask my assistant <laughs> yeah and i mean i want to you can, it's so easy to do this it's just so different right i call i just i don't like making up terms but i just refer to the true cost of interest right the true cost of borrowing money right the actual what nelson would say is the interest rate by volume Right, the amount of your payments, or I'm sorry, the amount of the principal, the amount of you, of what you borrowed that goes to the lender in interest, yeah. right? A genuine interest rate. How do you calculate that? Take your dang payment. Take the monthly payment. 
calculate the total amount of payments. So if it's a monthly payment for 30 years, take the monthly payment, multiply by 12, then multiply by 30. There's your total payments, right? Back out the amount of uh, uh, the, the amount borrowed. Get the amount that the actual amount you borrowed. Take that amount. Back that out of your total payments. The difference between your total payments and what you borrowed is the volume of interest. Take the volume of interest. Divide that into the principal. There is your true interest cost by volume, your true interest, uh, the true cost of borrowing. That number is a double-digit number that's a hell of a lot bigger than the APR. And uh, that is the meaningful number. Yeah, there's... Uh, and yeah. it can be done with any asset, any type of debt. Every, it can be done with any time. Yeah. It can be done with the mortgage. It can be done with the auto note. Anything that any structured debt instrument where you can determine the num the total number of payments, and you can back out the cash price of the item, whatever it is, allows you to isolate the interest by volume, the amount of payments that went to the lender that did not go to the principal. You can identify that number so long as you know the term of the loan. By the way, the unstructured notes, the ones that don't have a specified duration, are even worse, okay? <laughs> so it's not like, ooh, it's special because it's a line of credit. No, oh it's just gosh. even worse, right? There's monthly compounding and, you know, just just wait. In fact, they'll gladly take that uh, open line of credit and transition it into an amortized note so they can bleed you dry while it's unstructured and then start what? the process Wait, over wait, again. wait. You have a line of credit if they if they call it, they call it, right? If they cap it, they, well, you have a $100,000 line of credit, but your balance is 50. Oh, that's your new limit. Oh, wait. And then they can, like, uh, forget the last Wells Fraudo is the last one six or seven months ago that called yeah. all their lines of credit for small businesses. They called them. Okay, they called them. They, they called them, right? It's like, hmm, hmm, yeah, yeah. And then, wait, you don't have it? Of course they'll convert it to a time note. Of course. <laughs> that, is the, that is the process of a lender. You, you've got to, you know, oh, wait, and I know you're the only one out there that has a non-recourse loan, right? I don't want to beat people up. I know they exist, but... Me and you don't have them. Uh, yeah. All right. It's like that is the that is the that is part of their program. If you can't pay, we'll convert it. No problem. If you yeah. can't pay the conversion, we'll just take your assets. Right. And what lender is gonna gonna under collateralize a loan? None. <laughs> None. Okay. So, um, rate versus volume. That's a great simple. You know, we should timestamp that because that very simple, right? And Nelson used to say, and this is how I, you know, filtered it through me and my experience, you know, if I have a cow, she weighs a thousand pounds and she's sick and I got to doctor her, does it matter how fast I give it to her, right? The rate Medicine, yeah. or how much I give it to her, the volume. Too little does nothing. I might as well pee on my dog's head kind of a deal, right? Too much could kill her. It's the volume. That's exactly what Becky did, like front and center when they were buying the property and going through those amortization tables. Oh my gosh, I need I need to be financing. And she was an agent for I, how many years? I don't know how many before she discovered that, but uh, I don't know. 
But, and it's nothing against her. It's no, just that it's concealed. The yeah, industry but exactly. She's it. in the industry, the the noise, the, the construct. It's all concealed. Don't look at that. We're look. It's three percent. Look at that it's low 2. number. Look, I yeah. can do it on my hand. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. So why would you ever look? Or if you do look at it, you know, when you when you close, you know, they got to give you all that if you're borrowing their money. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay it off early. But that. We left. I think we left something out on the true cost because you didn't bring up closing cost. Oh yeah, just add that oh, back. Yeah, add that in so there. don't forget they call interest. It goes by many names. Oh, right? yeah. They're happy to call. You know the points or origination. The PMI or that's fee, required. It's an additional cost. Administrative fee, paperwork fee, closing doc. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lawyer fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Filing fee. Yeah, all that. Everybody's getting paid. Yeah. It's the cost of borrowing. Yeah. And the cost of borrowing is interest, no matter what name brand they stick over right. the top of it. Yeah. And then let's go refi every four or five years, right? And just start that cycle It's over perpetual. Again. Well, let's just go buy a life insurance policy and practice the infinite banking concept that I got to buy a new one every four or five years because somebody's looking at the equipment finance illustration and they see clearly because there's nothing concealed or Nelson's trying to reveal, trying to enlighten you what's going on. Uh, and I'm not condescending the listeners. I'm talking to the agents like your one agent that's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Four years of premium. It happened to be, you know, 60, 40 or what, 67, 72 or the... The structure of this big fork? No, no. The the uh, Nelson. It's roughly, it's 60, oh, 40. Oh, equipment financing, 37, 5, 62, 5. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, and then, and of course, we're rounding all over on the numbers too. But that's why, that, that's where this idea of everything should be 60, 40 comes from. Yeah. Is from Nelson's equipment financing example, which is different from all the other and yeah, different why products. Not, why not Suzy Q? Exactly. That's the 30, 70. Yeah. I mean, I talked about these exactly in the last Think Tank presentation that, that I'm going to develop that out because people need to hear it. You know, they already suspect it. I'm just saying that and it's, they look at that and say, oh, this is the way you do it. Well, I can make the illustration look better if I go down to 10% to the base and 90% to the PUA. And Nelson only paid four years of premium and he went cash on cash, quote unquote, on the fourth year. So I want to reconstruct that here in, in 2020, 2021, 2022. Two CSO later. table changes plus the 7702. Dividends have come down because interest has come down. All of these changes are not considered. Right? No. They're just trying to match that work. Nor, nor the fact that becoming your own banker is not how you go become your own banker. It's unlocking the infinite banking concept. It's teaching a concept. It's not, it's not, hey, you should go out and literally start a grocery business. Right? That wasn't the point. It was the point wasn't to go get a charter from the state of Texas to go compete with Midland National. Right. That those were they're all illustrative. They're all examples. They're meant to illuminate, to explain a concept, not to say, hey, this is how you in particular exactly. should do it. Exactly. So you got to jump over that, and then you got to jump over the timeline thing, how things have changed. Yeah. Rather than dig deeper, look at the concept and say, "Oh well, gosh, if a premium, if it's good to pay a premium today, might I want to pay one in thirty years?" Which is exactly what happened in equipment finances. Illustration number two, three, four, five, six should be compared to number two, where you compare that with a ninety ten structure, or whatever the blended PUAs or whatever, that you're limited on your premium payment ability. Hmm. You're, I mean, 
So it's exactly what not to do, but they're looking at Nelson's work and saying, this is what you do. And two, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, not, not really a concern, but it's an awareness that I have that, and it's why we don't mention, I don't mention life insurance companies' names. I, you do not start building a policy from the perspective of a percentage of premium between the base and the PUA. You can, we can all calculate that after the proper solution is created, right? And that comes from an educated consumer and an educated agent and advisor. Um, but, you know, if you mention a life insurance company name, you know, my concern is like, oh, well, that's who we have to use. Or you mention a structure, oh, well, that's what we got to do. no. No, you look at Nelson's book that, you know, you got to go cash on cash in four years, anything else. And I've seen these, these, uh, these private Facebook groups or whatever that have the conversations between quote unquote agents, like if it's any other way, it's wrong. It's like, my God, man, my gosh. Yeah. I learned how to do it right. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the Pharisees. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it, it reminds me of the money changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, when because another part of this too is that you know we hear about okay, I'm paying premium, building cash value. I just had a call with the uh, with an interesting person yesterday that I texted you about. Uh, and I wanted a Zoom call. It oh, was a call. <laughs> yeah. I have a question, so I demand your response. Yeah, and how this is I, how how do I use this, Ryan? Yeah. What what should I be using? I, don't, I feel like I'm not doing this. What are what are you not telling me? I mean, just so I'm a real close to just swiping left and but um but you they, made a commitment to him to them sorry and then yeah and, then, and i'll continue uh, to service it uh, uh, anyway well so, you can call an agent and spend the same amount of time with an agent and see which one's more pleasant that would be really fun that's how i have this time <laughs> today yeah uh but okay this broader question of i'm paying a premium i'm building cash value what do i use it for yeah if people and we, we, you know, you think it's in Nelson. It's a, it's a, a slogan. It's a main talking point in IBC. You know, we, it's not about the rate. It's about the volume. But somehow we always end up coming back to the rates. It's like a person with Stockholm syndrome. Just can't take a beating enough. We got to come back to the rate. Back to the rate. Back to the rate. And I'm, I'm starting to wear on me a little bit. And I got to relax and understand. But if people really understood how expensive a mortgage is. Mm-hmm. The the what what it would take in terms of premium payment to to generate sufficient cash value to take sufficient policy loans to kill the mortgage as early as possible that in and of itself is enough to do like how about we do that first how about we start at home how about we st- literally on more than one level start at home how about we do the mundane boring unsexy stuff first how about we clean house first like you know jordan peterson just go clean your damn room you know to go no out kidding. and solve the world's problems or you know get the state to you know foist upon the new eco-friendly uh, generation for the next uh, for the uh, our children and their children after them how about just go make your bed how about just clean house yourself? Okay. How about we take care of the auto note? How about we? How take about care? we take care of the auto note? Because yeah. I don't know about your family. Uh, you know how many automobiles are in your family? You, your spouse, your children, their spouse, over and over. So I get it. the The most egregious loss of interest is in a mortgage. But even Nelson, you know, it's like, that's really not the place to start. It's not because the number's too big. It is. It's hard to wrap your mind around. It's like, what do I got to do? So look, the auto loan's a bad offender too. Oh my So he, it's okay to knock him out on the way to the mortgage. Now, look at the experience you'll get uh, of, 
you know, just the interaction, the application of your policies. Yeah. Right. And I get it. Look, some people might be out there and they may have conventional debt outstanding and this opportunity from heaven may have just fell right in their lap. And, you know, that, that cash value is either going to be deployed as a policy loan to go take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity, allegedly, ostensibly, or, you know, we could pay off the conventional debt, which is just so boring. Boy, Bitcoin's down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, that could all happen. Okay, all right, that might happen once. Maybe it'll happen twice. Maybe it'll happen three times. I don't know. But your ongoing financing of the basic things in life will be permanent. It's continuous. Just take care of that. You know, in all of those illustrations, we've said it before, but I'll say it again. In all of those illustrations of becoming your own banker, those people are financing the things they were going to do anyway. They were buying cars, they were purchasing equipment for a vehicle, and they were passing on money to grandkids. That was stuff those people were going to do anyway. They just did it in a way that was relatively superior. If you, if all you did was that, and that's why where we started this, I was so glad, and I knew what you were doing when you were talking to Becky and Jerry, where you were mentioning that it was something you knew about where yep. it wasn't just, it wasn't about real estate. Cause it's so, so glamorous and wonderful and everybody should be a real estate investor. Right. By the way, the real real estate investors love that because everybody who doesn't know what they're doing gets to come play in their sandbox and they eat your lunch. And so too do the bankers. Okay. So the, I, look, if you're a real estate investor, I have real estate, legitimate real estate investors, agent investors, and they do well, and that's wonderful. By the way, they're the first to tell you that the revenue generation from that is hyper-cyclical. It can be wonderful one year, and it can be like, in the next year. You know, They'll be the first ones to take caution to that. And so that but then on the marketing side, you know, to tell the goal, not the goal, but the peop, to tell the people that you know, all you gotta do is you know, go get that mailbox money, go you know, just buy the home and then rent it out. I made a point, once I think on a, on maybe Facebook or something that, you know, the, the, it was Facebook. People talk about things like real estate investment, alternative investments, as if it's just a, an alternative to a stock purchase, right? It's just a, yeah. a decision. I'm just going to do this instead of that. I'm just going to make this purchasing decision. When in reality, it's kind of a second profession. You want to go manage 20, 20 doors? You... You're going to go manage the maintenance guy or guys because there's going to be multiple of them. You're going to monitor all the tax situation. You're going to take care of all the repairs or manage the crews that have to do all that. Okay, then scale. go ahead and scale that up. Maybe it's 100 doors. What then? You know, By then, that's not your second profession. It's your profession. Oh, before then. Yeah, yeah. well before then. Yeah. And so, the, But there's this idea that, oh, I just, all I have to go do is you know, just make this. I'm not going to do the stock market. I'm just going to go buy real estate. Yeah. No, it's a whole second. And so it, what, what really matters underneath all that is whether it's something you know about. And that was so key. And what you, what you really know about is what you're already doing. And what you're already doing is financing cars. And by the way, paying cash is also financing. <laughs> you're giving up interest and dividends you otherwise could have earned. Okay, so don't hop over that. Right, you're going to purchase vehicles. You're already planning for retirement. That's another for, future form of need for capital. You're already doing that. Might as well incorporate that in IBC. You're paying on a mortgage. Okay, if you got kids, they probably need stuff. Uh, if you're married, there's going to be gifts. There's going to be trips, right? All that stuff I, is I getting paid for. Ask continuously. You know, you have a daughter. Oh, okay, young daughter. Do you have any idea what it, weddings cost today? 
Yeah. I mean, let's, let's don't jump over yeah, that. Give it 10 years and add a zero. I mean, <laughs> it's not going down. I mean, the need for capital is only increasing. One major, and I haven't really argued this out before, but one major implication of illustration six and equipment financing is that as interest rates go down, which by the way, means as inflation gets worse, right? As interest, as the price of money is manipulated downward, money gets cheaper, which leads to inflation. Okay, as that happens, what was the result? What was Nelson's recommendation? It was to pay more premium. And so as things get worse, economically speaking, out there in the world, the need to capitalize, the need to control the banking function only becomes more urgently important. Yep. And so it ought to be more premium and not just more premium. Like you, you don't have the money. I mean, a reasonable, appropriate premium determined with a competent advisor, like all of that, that's not off the table, but the, we're all catching up, you know, and I, I get people all the time, you know, I wish I would have done this earlier. I wish I would have done. And a lot of my clients are older than I am. And so one guy last week said, oh, gosh, I wish I would have figured this out when, you know, like when I was your age and I'm like, yeah, well, I wish my parents figured it out right? and my grandparents and their parents and their parents, like since life insurance is older than the country, I mean, the asset was available. So we're all catching up. Yep. We're all catching up and things are, they're not looking great. They're not looking too hot on the world stage. So the, the need to control capital is only becoming more important it's it's going to continue to to be a need and a greater need in the future but you know going going back to the uh the becky and jerry and becky you know the real estate doing something you know which i appreciate you catching that and pointing it out and bringing it up um you know that is the opposite of the marketing in the real estate world in the infinite banking you know because now all the real estate groups have you know, people who quote unquote do or, or are experts in the infinite banking concepts footprint, you know, and then the marketing programs uh, that, you know, here, do this to go do that and, you know, sell the HELOC or whatever, buy a life insurance policy, collateralize that to go buy, you know, an appreciating cash flowing asset. I mean, it makes for a wonderful presentation, but when you get practical, I mean, my wife doesn't want to manage real estate, you know, and I don't want to manage real estate. And, and and then and then if you look at the internal rate of return on you know real estate or any other asset over time and compare it honestly with what is done with life insurance, I mean it's a hands down you're going to win, right? And, and, and my point being is like when I retire, you know, because a couple of years ago, you know, the solo one four hundred one ks were so popular. Oh, a new government you know, program. Yeah, you could you're eligible to get fifty thousand dollars past the government regulators. Um, <laughs> well, it's really about. I'm paraphrasing, right? Um, and then the uh, the uh, y- you know the the retirement plan, you know the uh, self directed IRAs, you know go buy the real estate. When you're 65, when you're 55, do you really want to start leveraging? You know, probably the most liquid asset that you have, and and put it into real estate or any. You know, it's like, yeah, I know. My intolerance for that kind of thing right now at my age is so low. I can't imagine how low it would be at 60 or 70. You know, my gra- my grandmother, who is a client, has a, a home in uh, West Texas that she does Airbnb with. Yeah. And the stories, <laughs> you know, a call in the middle of the night, uh, toilets are overflowing. There's sewage on the ground in the home, yeah. in the state that I don't And know. this is our vacation. 
you want to deal with that? You know, because waking up, call the plumbing company, coordinating from hundreds of miles away. Uh, it, th- nothing about that sounds interesting to me. Um, you know, it's not and all I'm bad. I'm sure it does. Uh, some people may have grew, grew up in it, or they were yeah. agents, or they're carpenters, or plumbers, or natural electricians, or they're handy, and they like that. Thank God, because somebody's got to do it, and it ain't me. It's like, I, I think I brought it up on a on an episode, maybe it was, the stringer, it was with the stringers, but, you know, I talked to a young man in, out in the Timberlands, and, uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's like, he's just, he's a client, you know, friend. He's like, James, you know, I work with guys that are, you know, they're, they're like highly educated. Some of them have finance degrees, Uh-oh. you know, and he's out working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, young family, getting it done. You know, he's, he's a mule on the ground, making it all happen in the organization that he works with. And he's like, you know, and I, if I talk about this or try to share it with them, they just almost hostile you know they just don't get it i can't even talk to them which is all very common right but you know he has friends that do timber you know which nelson you know he was a forester by trade so the guy buys one of his acquaintances you know buys property harvests the timber you know that's what he does right and so this particular situation uh you know he had to offload a piece of property several hundred acres to to be able to do the next bigger deal that he wanted to do so the infinite banking client fred he leverages the policy not i don't know if he could do the whole deal on the property right but he got the property so the other guy i mean this is capitalism man at the enemy level i love it um then he finances a bulldozer straight out of his policy repairs it because he you know he's a has that ability Improves the property with like roads and gravel that the gravel existed on the property. <laughs> Puts gates up, imp- you know, improves it, holds it for about uh, twelve months or so, sells it for a, a beautiful profit. You know, and if you're looking at volume and profits and cost, and I mean, it was double digits, right? And and then he turns around and sells the dang bulldozer <laughs> that he purchased and repaired for a profit. I mean. Where's the, uh, you know, hacker YouTube video explaining that, <laughs> oh you know? Well, he, I got to get him to come on the show. I don't really want to tell the story, but it was like, I'm like, that has set with me, you know, because it's, I love yeah, people cool. sharing, you know, their experience, how they even get here. And really, you know, talking about uh, Jerry and Becky coming on here, you know, I got to say that, um, you know, we've we got a lot of clients and, you know, a lot of them can't come on, you know, from their profession or their you know, who, who they are in the public. And a lot of them, most of them don't want to come on, you know, cause they don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to share. I don't want to, uh, their business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't want to say something wrong or what have you, or my, my story might not be valuable or, you know, or, or maybe they're on the other side of the country and, you know, whatever the case may be, but the people who do come on, um, I'm very thankful. I'm very appreciative. I mean, we generally have a conversation, Right up front. This, but number one, this is unscripted. They don't get a bullet point of questions that I'm going to ask. They don't get a bullet point of things that they're going to talk about. They can take their notes and do whatever they want, and they can share whatever it is they want, right? And uh, we do have the power of editing, but we make an effort not to edit, right? And so my whole point here is unstructured. It's unprepared, right? It's a real them and their experience. And I say that 
that's where I see the value. That is you know, people value. do want to know what you're thinking and what you've done. Yeah. And I want to know your thought process that got you to here, got you, yeah. you know, that's caused you to do what you do. Um, and that conversation prior to the cameras turning on is very limited. Do you want, you know, can, do you want us to use your last name or not? And I would prefer not to mention life insurance companies by name. Yeah, very you know, basic. It's, that's it. Yeah. So whenever they come on and share, it's like, man, that's it. And, and I'm not selling anything but books and education, right? If you want to become your own banker, perfect. Call my office. You know, we could, then I'll sell some life insurance. And I do sell a lot of life insurance, but I buy a lot too. I'm just, as a side note, there's not a promotion of merchandise or things, you know, it's like, yeah. Uh, it's just very non-promotional. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share that because there's, I mean, we literally walk in and sit down. I mean, you might make some notes here. You might listen to something on the way down here. But I, I think there's value in that. You know, and, then, and I want to bring that up too because I rarely listen to um, episodes. Right? I just don't. I'm too much of a self-critic probably. Um but she asked a question about the rate of return or an interest rate that they get on notes and then the dividend that they get in a life insurance. Did you listen to that part? I did. I made a mental note that it's like I didn't want to, uh, you know, when you open a walnut, you can gently open it or any other nut and get the fruit and the meat out. Or you can take a sledgehammer and smash it and not enjoy it. <laughs> right. That's Norm Baker. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't want to answer the question with a sledgehammer but i love jerry's response <laughs> me He's too because like, i don't care <laughs> exactly <laughs> the access is more valuable yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah i mean you're the and all explanations in a sense are going to be partial with a question like that because there's so much sure that you can talk about but you know gross dividend crediting scales or net dividend crediting scales it's it's a percentage of the relative to the invested assets of the company at the company level for that year. So even that's that percentage. If and a life insurance company earned a 5.2% rate on their invested portfolio, that's what they might ought to share with their other owners of the company. Hmm? But then the relationship between that number, that margin at the company level, the relationship between that number and an individual particular policy owner is indirect at best, right? And then like you there you cannot talk about a dividend percentage of any kind with respect to a particular policy because it's a percentage of what? Of the cash value, of the premium, of the death benefit, of all three things valued together? In what year? This one, year 5, year 10? Is that if it's a future year, is it discounted to the present? At what discount rate? You know, uh, that it it doesn't matter. Like, and that the companies fall over themselves declaring these numbers. and they have that, That's another 100-year-old argument. The life insurance companies beat each other up after falling all over themselves. Well, we pay a 6% dividend. They only pay a 5 or they pay a 55 Well, we pay 6.1. Yeah, our dividend scale went up a tenth of a point and yeah. theirs didn't. Yeah. And I care. Yeah. And? So it's anyway that yeah the dividends I mean that's just it's a it's a rabbit hole you can go down all day but at the end of the day that dividend crediting scale number is irrelevant in my view um, now if we're talking about a direct recognition versus non-direct recognition is a whole nother question right because the, we can talk about dividend crediting scales 
in a non-direct versus a direct recognition scenario. And that adds another layer of cost of indirectness, yeah. right? Because, yeah. okay, do we have a loan outstanding on that direct recognition policy at the end of the policy year? And how many, on how many policy years will there be a loan balance outstanding? And what will be the total reduction in dividends and therefore cash value growth because of those loans? Oh, nobody knows? Of course not. Uh, well, just take the policy down to the, to the bank and keep your, your cash value line of credit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can be the dependent HELA, on the banker. The credit, whatever, yeah. Violate Nelson's rules against doing business yeah. with banks. Yeah, but we do ABC, right? <laughs> um, well, the last thing I want to say about Becky and Jerry, you know, they, they talked about when they met. They talked about when they got started with IBC. I think they, I think, was it 2014 when they met you? Or when, maybe when they started IBC? I think that's when they started IBC. They didn't later. meet me until 2016-ish. Okay, perfect. Like so that. even a tighter timeline. So but I don't think they become a client until like 2017-ish. Yeah. I don't know. And Jerry said, I think at the beginning, you know, late 60s was his current age. And so we think 2014, okay, that's eight years. Okay, so eight years from where he said his age. Okay. And then one thing uh, they both said was how surprised they were uh, how much they could do in so little time. Yeah. And knowing what I know about how cash value growth, I know very confident that the cash value in those policies is probably not in excess of their cost basis if those policies no. are only eight years old. No. And yet, look at all they did. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. There's nowhere to put that on a life insurance illustration. I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure he shared it that they're building a home, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I could tell the builder to take a hike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Survey? What survey? You Closing. mean the, one the lender one? What? Yeah. <laughs> and the builder doesn't even, huh? What? We're going to pay cash, pay as we go, huh? What? <laughs> What, what do you mean you don't need a mortgage? <laughs> it's like <laughs> the ancillary conversations that causes within all the professionals, the builder, the closers, the wannabe lenders. And <laughs> yeah, what's that worth, you know? Oh, my gosh. Just the, the savings on being able to, you know, you're going to you know, renovate the bathrooms or whatever, improve the value of the home you live in or whatnot. What's, you know, what's the value of the cost savings and the authority of just being able to use loans you know, to it, do that? Yeah. You know, we were, I mean, we moved a couple of years ago, my wife and I, my family, right? <clears throat> but it's only like eight minutes away. I'm right here. Uh, national coverage, local service, right? <laughs> just saying that. And I had this conversation with Nelson. Uh, so we lived in a home. We lived there a long time, yeah. you know, 15, 17, 20, well, a long time. And so, you know, there, it needed an upgrade. It needed a facelift on the, the kitchen, the bathrooms and all that. And, you know, we're we're like, we're looking, we're looking. I remember that. I remember that whole project. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, well, if we know we have to improve the property to sell it whenever we eventually mm -hmm. buy. And have to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So why not, you know, if we've got to be here, let's build a pool. You know, and <clears throat> excuse me. So that'll make our time that we have to remain here, you know, funner. Enjoyable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we did. And, but just the whole conversation of that, you know, I could do a, a cash out refi because I've done them before and paid PUA premium. There were particular circumstances in which I did that. Could have done it again. And so here I'm justifying all this to Nelson. Nelson, you know, telling the whole big story. You know, we're going to build a pool and, um, you know, uh, I don't. I don't want to go get a second mortgage. The idea of getting a second mortgage on your home 
to put a pull in place or solar panels or anything like that. Talk about repulsive to me. It's like, ooh, why would you ever? Only because you have to. Mm. Okay, there may be a better way. So anyway, and I'm trying to justify my whole you know, process. Look, I got a new banker because my banker died. I became an orphan. They got a replacement. He's a great guy. I can educate him, you know, like I need to educate him, right? Yeah, you need a second job, man. <laughs> like, on how, you know, life insurance works, this type of life insurance and going through the direct and non-direct, you know, you can go out and get a whole new crop of uh, potential prospective clients because they work for these great companies that shred the dividend when there's a loan. So, you know, <laughs> and then of course, you know, I have the conversation if they ever, you know, if you got to foreclose on that, I mean, I'm a buyer, you know, no question. And I'm going through all this and Nelson just as gracious as he can be. It's like, yeah, you know, so it'd be the, I think the third cash out reef I did and, you know, and then, oh, yeah, educating the banker. And then I'll do great big illustrative, you know, presentations on why, how you can do this. And that was also the time when, the, you know, it kind of got around or the buzz was like, oh, you can't take first year policy loans with some companies. I don't care. The banker can do whatever they want. Right. So I was going to address that, you know, and potentially use one of those companies because um, I own them, policies with them. And I go through all of that, and Nelson, I'm just telling you, he's like, yeah, sure, yeah, oh, that would be great. Oh, yeah, it'd be, you know, so altruistic of you to do this and to do that, you know? And it's like, no, we just finance it straight out of a life insurance policy. I didn't have to go through any of any any of all of that. You know, I mean, I avoided all of that. And I'm like, what was my thinking? You know, you get, you get dipped into grease all the time, and if you got to wipe this thinking off of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for letting me share that. But I'm just, we enjoy the pool, having the property, you know, enjoy that, whatever. You know, going to do some remodeling there. Already have done some. We're going to do some expansion. The builder's like, we've gone through a couple of builders. The first builder's like, you know, like this kind of excessive questioning on, hmm. you know, the mortgage and, and all that. And I'm like, listen, my wife's got plenty of money. Don't worry about it, you know, and. He, they, he couldn't fathom couldn't that there himself. wasn't going to be a mortgage lender, you know? Yeah, the way they side-eye you. I mean, I was looking at making the – I did get a different truck recently. I think you told you this. And That's a whole other podcast that I yeah. can't wait for you to listen once we record it. The salespeople are always – they're so worried that you're not able to pay, right? That everything's going to go well. They're going to do their job. Everything's going to get done, and then it'll fall through and – they won't Finance get paid. Qualifying, and they won't get paid. <laughs> yeah. And they're so concerned. Yeah. And I have to tell them, I'm like, listen, it's going to be okay. It'll be okay. You, know? you need a hug. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a different world. You know, it's like going and visiting another country. Like we live in IBC land where things are peaceful. And then you want to go get, you know, champagne in France. You got to go to France and, you know, there's the language barrier, and you gotta have. It. I'll endure. I'll bypass the champagne, but I'll endure the trip to France. You know, <laughs> I'll 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 suffer. <laughs> I get it though. All right. Anyway, you look. You 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 know. You're like side eyeing the clock over there. You must be hungry. Yeah, the one that I didn't even start. So Uh-oh. I don't know how long this has been, but it's been good. And I really enjoyed Becky and Jerry. I'm glad they finally. Well, not finally, but I'm glad they came on. That's and, a proper use and, of a word and shared their experience. That was. That was very good. I think it'll be really helpful to people. The AV guy was telling me before we hit play here that it's doing good as far as viewership. So seems like people are interested. I'm convinced that that uh, if and on 
on my channel, there's different playlists. Um, and I think there's guests, which are outside, maybe economists or uh, like friends like Barry Dyke. And they may be agents, advisors. They may be economists or historians. Non-client or guests. Yeah, non-client guests. Thanks for <coughs> simplifying. And then, then there's a, like a Q&A. I mean, there's ours. There's our book review. And then there are guests. And I'm thoroughly convinced Right. If you just listen to other people's stories, it will help you, um, and it will save you a lot of time if you're wandering around in the the no man's land of TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's like it's almost Chinese like no man's land. <laughs> oh my gosh! And you don't even have to give all your data to the to the chat comms, right? <laughs> Give them to the neocons. <laughs> Give it to Google. Yeah. <laughs> All right, look, I had fun. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.